Hey everyone, this is Matt General with 420. I hope that you enjoy listening to this week's sermon and I hope that you enjoy listening to it just as much as I enjoyed being able to teach it. This week's sermon is on the topic and core value that 420 has covering the core value and topic of love and not just what love is, not, not just that love is something that we have to do, but that love is actually something that we become. And in this message, my goal for you and my goal for the listener is that you would receive the revelation that becoming love is something that we do when we are alone with Jesus, prioritize being with him, and we prioritize the inflow of intimacy into our lives so that the outflow of obedience happens completely naturally, not out of religious obligation, but simply because it is the person that we have become as we have beheld the person that is love himself, Jesus Christ. So I pray that as you listen to this, not only is your hope renewed, and not only are you inspired, but I feel, but I, I, I pray that you are drawn into the sweetness of the revelation of the gentleness and lowliness of Jesus Christ himself and learning to live a by the spirit life. I love you guys, and I'm so excited for you to enjoy this message. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Bless you guys this week. And here's what I want to do is we're getting ready to take this communion right now. Um, more important, more important than you hearing a teaching tonight or being blessed by an amazing, by an amazing worship team. The highest priority is that all of you, all of you are familiar with the story of the woman with the issue of blood and says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Thank you, Clay. Thank you, bro. All of, all of us, are you all familiar with that story? If you're not, there's the story in scripture of, of there's this woman, and this is severely paraphrased. There's this story of this woman in scripture of where she has this issue of, of blood that she, she's, she, she's been bleeding for something, something like over like 12 years since she was born. Um, she's way older than 12 years, but she, she's been um, having an issue of bleeding literally her whole entire life. She pushes through a crowd of people to touch the Lord's, not, not even him, like a, a, like a, like a, it was like the, the hem of his garment. Like she didn't even, she didn't even get like touch like his, his physical skin. And the second that she touched him, healing power left Jesus and restored this woman instantaneously, like right there in the moment. He didn't even have to pray for her. One, that just goes to show that when you are in atmospheres and environments like this, it's not about you getting ministered to by the one person or the right person. It's, a, it's just about you encountering him. Does that make sense? And I truly believe that in that moment, I don't believe that Jesus desires for us to brush up against his side and call it an encounter. I believe that he desires to enclose us and surround us in the whole thing. I don't believe that he calls us to just brush up against him and say like, ooh, I got a little bit of him, of when Jesus himself has poured out and presented himself as a divine feast, the divine substance of our lives that he desires for us to be satisfied by. The normal Christian life is the life of the enjoyment of the person named Jesus and everything that he has made available to you literally because of this meal because of this cracker and, and this juice, this bread and this wine. 
And I ask that you would see him tonight as he rips fresh bread from his side and and presents it to you and says, here, take and eat freely. I was humiliatingly tortured for you. And as he holds his hand, his very hand up to your mouth, and he pours his hand out, and from the hole in his hand flows the fresh wine and bliss of heaven that he invites you to drink from freely. He literally satisfies you and supplies you with himself. With himself. Is this this making sense? Everything about Jesus, literally everything, the more that I get to know him, I'm, 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 I'm painfully aware of a couple of things. The more I get to know him, the more that I'm made aware that I didn't really actually know him at all because he's more kind and more beautiful and, and more romantic, more powerful, more majestic than I ever thought he could possibly be. So anytime he, sh- he turns his face one more time so that I can see another dimension of him, it's like, well, I, I don't even know you at all. I thought I did, but I don't. Offend me with your love. Offend my mind to get to my heart. And the second thing is that everything about him is an invitation. Everything, everything about Jesus is an invitation. And everything about Jesus is the way that he pursues you and comes after you. And, 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 and some, I've heard some people say that God does not chase people down, that God will not come looking for you. I'm so unbelievably thankful that that statement isn't, isn't true because he came looking for me and found me broken. And when I was running away from him, he, he pursued me. And when I didn't want anything to do with him, he pursued me. When I, when I cursed, I can, I can remember the early days of my faith. I wasn't even, I shouldn't even say my faith because I wasn't walking with Jesus. I would be walking on the beach with my mom where, where, where we grew up close to. I'd be walking on the beach with my mom. She'd be talking to me about Jesus and I would curse God out loud saying, I refuse to believe that this is the only way to live. Like I just, I refuse to believe this. This is not, this is not real. And you're not going to talk me into this. And my mom is so tender, so compassionate, and so kind. She never once raised her voice at me or tried to persuade me. The beauty and gentleness and lowliness of Jesus wounded my heart into surrender. He didn't have to scream. He didn't have to hit. He didn't have to yell. He didn't even have to, like, it was literally him and his gentleness and his lowliness was the the very impressive things about him that drew me to him. And it's such a shame that we are attracted to him because of his meekness and his lowliness and his humility. And we are attracted to him because of his sweetness and his love. And then all of a sudden we get a couple years into this road of this Christian life and this Christian message. And we, and we, we, we sell our souls to religion of how to behave better, how to be better, how to improve myself. This is not about improving yourself. This is about dying to yourself and becoming alive to him. You don't need to be improved. You need to come into the revelation that you've been killed because a lovesick savior took you upon himself so you could step into him, his self. This is literally, all that this is is communion. All that we're doing right now is describing this very thing that you hold in your hands. And I know that we're not Catholic in here, and, and, and I, I know that. But I love the, I, I literally love the Catholic Church in the, in the reverence and respect that they have for this meal. All that this is is a representation of Jesus' body and blood. I get that. Don't think that I'm 
going heretical on you, but like, I love the Catholic Church and the reverence that they place upon what this is. Because they get that, they understand that. It's just a shame that we have forgotten sometimes. Everything about this body, everything about this blood pays for you to step beyond a torn veil rather than watching as a spectator through it, seeing other people enjoy him, seeing other people know him, and you stand on the Old Testament side of a New Testament torn veil and you never even encounter him and you never even get him. And what's so silly about that Everything about Jesus is, every, is, is all about how he has given himself to you. It's not, oh, well, I'm going to abstain from sin or not do this, say this, look at this, think this, because I'll get him. No, it's, it's not you doing anything to get anything from him. As, as Paul would say, that is a perverted gospel and doctrine of demons that places behavior upon the free message of grace with which you have been entrusted with through the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. And how easily, it was a man by the name of Martin Luther said, I have to preach the gospel to myself daily because of how easily I forget its power and for how easily I forget it. Because if we truly understood it and grasped it and allowed it to mess us up every day, there wouldn't be, we're trying to move on to the next thing, we're trying to get the next thing, or we're trying to work on ourselves and improve ourselves. No, you would, you would find that you are found in his embrace, removed from every bit of disgrace, as you fix your eyes upon his face. And he makes you into the man and into the woman that he wants you to be, not that you think you need to be. And all of a sudden your life, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you from personal experience right now, any single, you wanna know one of the quickest ways that I have seen first love leave my life, other Christians' hearts grow cold or they just grow weary is they get so far in their faith and somewhere along the line, they turn a relationship that started out in grace and in the freedom of what was offered to you into I have to behave now a certain way. I have to act a certain way. I, I have to keep rules in a certain way. I can't watch this TV show, listen to this music or, or talk this way. All of those things, by the way, very noble. And if you have a conviction to not see, look, hear, taste or touch something, then in the name of the Lord Jesus, you better be obedient to that. But don't think that for a moment your holy efforts have anything to do with the closeness of what he has brought to you. He has filled every bit of space with himself and invited you into knowing him. And holiness is the very aspect of you living out of an embrace of where he calls you his. Not behave a certain way and I will call you holy. If you let this, this message will set you free tonight. It will set you free from yourself. It will set you free from your need to prove anything. And it will set you free from your need to think that you have to keep other people impressed around you, which the truth is they're probably just better at pretending than you are. You will never be able to receive the love of Jesus for yourself if you have the facade built up of what you think he wants. He doesn't want you to be perfect. He became perfect for you. And when in the gospel he says, be perfect, therefore as I, I am perfect, he is inviting you into a work that is by the Spirit and finished. Jesus did not hang up on the cross and say, congratulations, I got the ball rolling for you. Figure it the heck out. There's, I've met Muslims 
that are more in love with their God and their God isn't even alive. They're worshiping someone that's not even alive. <laughs> and then there's Christians. I've, I've, I've met Christians over the years and, and it, like, it literally breaks my heart. They've walked away from their faith. There's one guy that I'm thinking of. I went to school with him. I'm thinking of one guy in particular right now. And I remember he broadcasted to people, I'm no longer a Christian anymore because I can't keep all of these rules and I just, I can't do this anymore. And my heart broke for him before I'm just like, my, my dear Lord, See yourself as broken and needy and lowly and invite him into it rather than saying, no, I'm too ugly. I'm too this. Stay away from me. The son could do nothing apart from the father. Jesus said that. So what makes us think that we can do anything apart from him or for him anyway? Far be it from us to say that we are seated above Christ. You can do nothing apart from him. So stop trying to impress him. He doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. He wants you. And if fruit comes from that in the process, which it will, he will applaud it. I've heard it said, I've heard it said this way. I wish this was a quote from me, but it's not. A man that I admire very much said this. In victory, he kisses you with commendation. And in defeat, he kisses away condemnation. In victory, in victory, he kisses you with commendation. But in defeat, he kisses away condemnation. I, I cannot express to you how much this thing does not depend on you. Well, Jesus says in John chapter 14, if we love him, we'll obey his commandments. Jesus says in, in the book of Micah, what does the Lord require of you? Surely there has to be some things on me. Surely there has to be a part that I play in this. Your call as a Christ follower is to yield to these three words constantly. Read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, specifically Colossians, and you will find what it is that I'm saying, and you will find this to be true. Your assignment as a Christ follower falls under these three words, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Because if you think about it, grace is actually can be way more challenging than the law. The law, even, the law has all these qualifications for what happens if a man that sleeps with a woman that's not his wife. Grace says, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. You're like, dear Lord, I thought grace was supposed to be easier. The whole point of grace is to point out to you, you cannot do it. You need me. And I want to live my life through you, with you, and for you. I know that I've quoted this man a lot, but he has so much truth to say. A guy by the name of Andrew Murray said, A living Christ, a dead Christ, I do everything for, but a living Christ does everything for me. And then the work that you do, Isaiah says, It is in quietness and trust that we are saved. When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Like, and, and go to any New Testament salvation account. account. What, what should I do? Tell me, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Just, just believe. Simply just believe. A man by the name of Smith Wigglesworth said that God wanted humanity back so badly, he made the message of the gospel as easy as he possibly could, period. Simply believe, period. Simply believe. That's how easy he made it.
So with that, let's take the, let's take the bread. Jesus, we thank you for this bread. We thank you that it is this meal. You have made the undeserving deserving. You have made the unworthy worthy through the sacrifice and humiliation of your son. Jesus, we thank you for this body. We thank you that within it there is our wholeness. We thank you that within it there is our renewed will. Thank you that within it there is the marriage between you and us. And we thank you for this bread. Let's break it and eat of it together. Now take the, the juice that represents his blood. Jesus, this is the wine of the new covenant. This is the blood that we have been baptized into. This is the blood that covers us. This is the blood that speaks better words. And right now, I pray that each one of us, every person in this room right now should have one of these, every single person. I want each of you, make sure, if you, if you don't, make sure you, make sure you go get one. As you drink this, I pray that the declarations that this blood is making over you, for you, and about you would supersede and surpass any lie that you believe about yourself, any lie that you believe about your current life situation, any lie that you believe about who you are or who you're not, that this blood would set you free right now, immediately right now. It would set you free. Jesus, we thank you that this blood is about to bring life to the body that we just ate. And we thank you for it right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. do can we do something right now as, as Shauna is still playing um, can we just close our eyes really quick I don't want to say actually I don't, I don't want to say really quick but let, let's just close our eyes right now it was on my heart to do this the whole entire time that we were in worship with music and um, I really I, I I don't, and I don't know why, like I've, I don't really have clarity on it right now and I don't really know what it is. I just, I have this really heavy set conviction in me that more than you hearing a message tonight, it's very important that you walk away having encountered him. And we can talk about him and in the midst of us talking about him, we can miss him entirely. So if we can, let just like, let's, even with, with children running around, their very laughter and cries, I believe, are, are some of the most joyous noises of praise and worship to the Father. Don't even let that bother you. Don't let it distract you. But let, can we please like, just intentionally do this right now and set your eyes upon him and let's, let's just wait on him.
we love you. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, you have all of our attention. Convict us with your nearness. Convict us with the reality of your presence and cut us deep with your love and holiness. Let us daily say we do to your marriage proposal that you have for us. Daily, I said daily. Every bit of shame and embarrassment Let it be kissed away by you. I mean that so seriously right now. Let it be kissed away by you. Just be aware of him right now. Like just be aware of him right now. by the name of Richard Wormbrandt said, prayer is a quiet heart beating that loves him. Don't even get caught up in the words you have to say. I've been reflecting on that quote today for a, for a good portion of my afternoon. It's not in the words that you say. Posture your heart to behold him and be still and quiet before him right now. sense that this is what we're actually supposed to be doing right now. I'm asking you to not withhold your heart from him. I'm sorry if you had a rough day. I'm sorry if there's something that you came in here carrying. He is kneeling in front of you, waiting to take it away from you right now, saying that does not belong to you. Or to remind you, shh, 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 you don't think that way anymore. That doesn't have to belong to you anymore. 
I'm asking you as appropriately as I can, do not withhold yourself from him, please. for a fresh revelation of who you truly are, what you're really actually like. Holy Spirit, we ask you to reveal the Son in this place. Son, we ask you to reveal the Father in this place. Holy Trinity, we declare our dependence upon you. We declare our dependence upon you. And just we, and we, we do, we, we intentionally purposefully say that we love you tonight. We love you tonight, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. you have a Bible with you or a phone, how any anything that has the word on it, can you and with the with the remaining time that we have, I'm not gonna be long in this. Um can we go to John fifteen really quick? John fifteen. By the way, if, if you came tonight and you um and you would like to know how you can give um, financially to 420. Um, as you leave tonight, uh, we, we don't have our slides up here tonight. Normally, we would have a QR code that you can scan. But if you came here tonight and you're wanting to give financially to what, to what the Lord is doing here, we have a, um, a wooden box in the back, and then we have our, our classy fishbowl that will, that will be on top of the sound booth. So as you're leaving, please feel free to drop um, your offering in there as you're leaving if you're feeling led to give tonight. But um, I was going into it with, with commun communion, but how, how are, are you all still good? You all with me right now? We all good? 
Okay. Since we've been gathering on Thursday nights, we've been going through the, the core values of 420. Who, who, like, who are we as a family? Who are we as a culture? Tonight is the core value of love. And that can, that can go a, number, a lot of different ways. Like l- love is an extremely broad term, but there's only one person that claims to actually be it, and that's Jesus. And the reason why I want to read John 15 to us tonight is because when you, when you come into a culture like this or it, when, when, when you get saved and you've been saved for anywhere longer than like a day, you, you will find that not everyone thinks the same way that you do. Not everyone is as in love with Jesus as you are. People still offend you. People still bother you. People will still have criticisms to say things to you. It's worse when it comes from people that profess to serve the same Lord that you do. But those are not our battles to fight because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities. Amen? But when we talk about love tonight, and when we talk about the posture that we're supposed to take within, within this, this is not just a core value because... Oh, it's a biblical word, so we threw it in our core values and it makes sense for it to be there because we want to be people of love. I will tell you right now that outside of the embrace of Jesus and outside of being connected to him as a true vine, you can truly do nothing. In case you haven't caught it yet with the amount of time that I've been talking, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. That's, that's, and, and that's a, a very, very good thing. Because if I am left to my own strength to produce love for my enemies, love for people that I don't agree with, love for the church culture that I'm still in that doesn't necessarily think the way I do, love for the family member that you have gotten saved and they haven't gotten saved yet, love for the friend group that you're the only saved person in your friend group, love for, and ultimately also, love for yourself. That cannot happen if you are not in a constant place of reception of the love of Jesus for yourself. It, it, it can't. You can pretend for a very long time. You, you can, I would even argue to say you probably can't pretend for a very long time because at some point you will hit an end of yourself where you can only be self-righteous and self-sufficient for so long. And then you are forced to go weak at the knees and encounter love himself that wants to live his life through you and for you. Becoming love for others around you first looks like you receiving love, the love of Jesus for yourself. And in my opinion, this is not just a message, this is the message of letting yourself be loved by Jesus because without it, you have no hope to love the world, people, your family, friends around you. You just don't. All that you know how to do is do something out of an obligation rather than a genuine conviction. When I'm doing something out of a genuine conviction, it goes way beyond the, well, why are you doing this? Oh, just because I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to behave this way. I'm supposed to be like this. I'm supposed to be the nice person in traffic that lets the other person in when no one else is letting him in. I'm supposed to hold the door open for people. I'm supposed to help the old lady across the street. Like it's, like that, all, all of those things are great. 
and, and, and extremely noble and beautiful, but it's so much deeper than that. Becoming love is a matter of your heart becoming transfixed with who Jesus truly is and who he truly says you are to him. <laughs> to where, amen, <laughs> to where you sit with him long enough to where you literally become him. And then all of a sudden you're walking around and you're not trying to do something, you're just naturally being it. Does that make sense? It's kind of like this. If I was to walk in here and, and, and say I, just, I was to walk up to Jamal right here and I went up to Jamal and I said, hey man, I've got keys to a, to a brand new whatever, like Ferrari outside. This is, this is yours. Well, what do I have to do for it? Nothing. It's yours. It's actually been paid for. It's completely, like it has everything that... You need to drive fast and enjoy this car. Keys are yours. Take it, have fun, and run with it. It's a free gift. He doesn't, he doesn't have to do anything to get it. And then say, like, Jamal's enjoying the car. He's driving it around. And then say, maybe I call him a weekend. Hey, dude, so how's the car? Have you taken it to a track yet? Have you taken it to an open highway? Like, have you gone on a road trip? No, man, it's great. I've, I've really just been driving it around town, and I haven't even really gone, like, I haven't even really gone on the highway, so I haven't even really gone, like, above 65 or 70. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm just kind of hanging out driving around town. I would look at him, and I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? I, I gave you a fast car so that you could enjoy a fast car. Like, I, I, I gave you a gift to enjoy from it everything that comes from that package deal. Like, enjoy it. Drive fast. It's a fast car. Do you, do you know what this thing can do? And the second that Jamal realizes, like, oh, well, hey, I'm going to take this to a, to a safe track or something. I'm going to take this to a road where no one is. And he starts to open that thing up for all the potential that it has. He, he starts to use it for everything that it actually is. He's, he's driving fast because it's a fast car. It, it's, he doesn't have to make it fast. He doesn't have to do anything, do anything to it. He was given it fully equipped with everything that it is. And what, I, and what I think that we do in, in, this, in this message of, of, of wanting to love people more, wanting to love ourselves more, wanting to become love to the world around us, when we try to do that out of a place of not being in union and attachment and embrace with Jesus, we only know how to, how, how, how to do the form and not be the actual thing. We only know how to behave a certain way and be like, oh, well, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to try to act in all these different things rather than when you're with Jesus, you become the very thing you're trying to be and then you can live out of it naturally. You don't, you don't even have to pretend. And I'm not saying you're not going to go through times of like, I'm not saying that there's not going to be someone that just that rubs you the wrong way, annoys you, frustrates you. Recently, I, 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 this was like recent within the past couple of months, I had this person that like, and no reason for it, just like, just comes up to you like, hey, I don't like you. And they'll, and they'll just say it. And like, well, can you give me a reason? No, I just, I, I don't like you. And sometimes there's just going to be people, they don't even have a reason. They're just, it could be the way you dress, the way you talk. Maybe it's something that they see in you that they don't like in themselves. So they're projecting it on you. And they're just like, hey, I don't like you because really what they don't know is you just remind them of something of themselves that they don't want to be. And, and, and I don't know why that happens. And I don't know why that that's the case. But somewhere along the line, you're not even going to need to give someone a reason. They're just going to make a snap judgment about you in a moment and say, yeah, I don't like you. Don't want to be near you. I don't want anything to do with you. 
I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, but in, the, in, in those moments, you either become defined by a voice that calls you his beloved, or you try to grit it out in the name of, of Christian love and kindness, which ultimately you will, you will end up at a burnt out version of yourself every single time. The solution that I only have to offer to you is connect and live connected to the one that you belong to. And then everything the fruits of the Spirit. They're called the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians for a reason. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're called the fruits of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Christian. The fruits of the Spirit are the Spirit's responsibility for manifestation. You are the gateway for which the fruits of the Spirit freely flow as the practiced beauty of intimacy. We read the fruits of the Spirit as the behavioral and character complex and character conduct of today's believer. If that's the case, it would say the fruits of the Christian. Fruits of the Spirit. Everyone in here say fruits of the Spirit. Not fruits of the flesh, not fruits of self-effort, fruits of a yielded heart that yield to a person named God the Holy Spirit that is fully alive and fully manifested in you. Remember, he's, he's a king that is alive. He's alive in you. And the fruits of the Spirit, we read them, and, and all of a sudden, they're no longer things that we try to impossibly uphold. They are things that we humbly and meekly yield to and yield into. Again, what did I say at the beginning? It becomes a by the Spirit reality. By the Spirit. Not the flesh. Not Self-driven effort. John 15 says this. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Did you hear that? You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Sometimes I imagine... Sometimes I imagine my, my, my son now is getting to a point of where, and you'll, you'll see him up here, all he wants to do is get up on stage and join the worship team. But you'll, you'll see this. My son is now walking, and he's been walking for a little bit now, and so he's at that stage now of when like, you try to hold him. He's just like, no, like, I want to explore. I want to run. Like, I want to I take over this world. I just want to do all the things. And there's times of where I'll go to pick him up sometime and he'll like, he'll like arch his back and throw himself around and he starts to just like thrash all around. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, just let me hold you. Like, just, just be, be still. And like, we can get where we're going a lot faster. Like, let me carry you there. Let me hold you to the destination. And he's, and he's, and he's just re resisting the love. And I literally have to put him down and step back from him and be like, all right, like we can wait until you figure it out. I'll go, to, I'll go to go pick him up again. Like, no, no, no. And he's, and he's flailing around. And Brandy have to turn away from each other because we're laughing. And we're, tr and we're trying to not let him know that he's, like, actually making us laugh. But, like, 
trying to get to this thing of like teaching him something. All right, dude, I'll set you down and we, we'll wait again. How, however long it takes, we'll wait. And then finally, we'll go up to him and get him. And then he's just like, okay, we can go. You can carry me. You can hold me. I will ride upon your shoulders to the destination. I will get there faster. I, I, you, you can carry me. And it's because he finally relaxed and leaned into the embrace of a father that wanted to carry him to where he was trying to go that he could not get on his own. And about probably like the 10th time that this happened, the Lord was just like, you know, you do this with my love all the time. You do this. This, this is what it looks like for you to not let me love you. I come close to you. No, like I got this. I can figure it out. I can do it on my own. I don't need your help. No, I'm, I'm fully capable of how to do it. Do you know who I am? Do you, like, like I've, I, I've got this. I know how to do it. Just let me do it on my own. And the Lord steps away, not, 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 not removes himself from you. He doesn't violate his word, but I, I believe that he'll be like, okay, let's, let, let's go then. And, we, and we, we fall again flat on our faces and he comes close again and picks us up until we finally realize the way of surrender is to be putty in his hand and to yield to the embrace that desires to have you rather than stiffening and muscle binding yourself all the way up to where you're not pliable and holdable in his hand. And we, and we get all stiff and we get all rigid and we are the enemy of ourselves that we do not allow ourselves to be loved and to be led and to be held by him. The very definition of childlikeness is Jesus inviting a group of children to himself. He puts them up on his lap and says, unless you become like this, not someone that is resisting and, and, and rigid in love, not someone that resists the hold or the embrace of Jesus, it's someone that senses it and immediately with a soft heart yields to the embrace that comes after him. Doesn't try to prove it, fight for it, or even earn it. Nothing that my son, all, all what my son does in those, those little miniature moments of like, no, like I've got it, I just want to do it. Nothing about that causes me to say, fine, go ahead, like walk away, fine, go ahead, figure it out. I'm waiting for him to yield. It is the patience of the father that inclines the son to respond. Okay, he's still here. Like, okay, like you, you, you can carry me. You can hold me. We, we can go together. When we have a life that is lived outside of him, it's like resisting the love of God. That's a practical picture of what this verse looks like. Resisting the love of God, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's doing this hard-to-get thing with him of where we are no longer pliable in his hands. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Guys, having, having a core value and a, and a cultural value of love within our church and within our community here, 
it's so much more beyond just like just being nice. Like, oh, that person's like that's that's a really nice person. Like he's a really nice guy. The type of love that I'm talking about is when, and, and I don't care how long you have or haven't known each other. Like I said, you're all you're all here for a reason tonight. We are all the family of God in the house of God. Amen. And love looks like you being willing to lay your life down for someone, being inconvenienced for someone, getting to a point of where it's no longer an inconvenience, but it's your pleasure. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and it is one that has captured the revelation of what it means to sit with him long enough that I've become the very essence of who he is, that I can then give that away to the community that's around me, and all of a sudden, I don't need them to go first. I don't need my community, my friends, my parents, my wife, other people around me. I don't need you to treat me in a certain way to warrant a response. I've lived by the affirmation of a father that warrants this place of overflow where I freely give what I've freely received in secret, where no one else was and no one else was looking, and I freely partook of it, and I freely abided in him, and I freely became it in public because it was where I sat in private. And it doesn't become about, oh, there's a homeless person. Roll down your window and give him $20. If the Lord leads you to do that, awesome. Like, praise God and do it. Like, there's, like that's beautiful and noble. I'm, I'm, I, please don't hear like what I'm not saying. But it, it goes beyond the surface-level obligation of what I think I should do. And it goes beyond, like I can't tell you how many times I personally have done things out of a religious obligation, rather like, oh, a, a Christian would do this, rather than, no, I did it out of the overflow of who I am. And if I didn't do it out of the overflow of who I am, it's probably because I haven't gone into the secret place long enough to be with him to receive the love that I'm called to live from. And the worst thing about it is when you stop doing this, everything over here becomes driven by the flesh and, and performance and flexing of the will. And, and you're so outside of grace, you get to the end of the week and you wonder why you're burnt out, you're angry, and you're frustrated, and then you turn to self-help books and self-help diagnosis, trying to mend yourself back together of where it's like, no, like let, let him call you who you are. Repair yourself in that place. All, all the things that I just mentioned, beautiful, they're great, they're great as long as they are substances and supplements to the main thing. Get to the main thing first, and, and, then, and then do all, all those other things. Like, I'm not downing them, dogging them, disrespecting them, or, or saying that they don't work. Like, please don't attach words to what it is that I'm not saying, crapping on movements or crapping on methods. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, if Jesus is not source, then you have not life. Is all of this making sense? Loving your neighbor as loving your neighbor as yourself is, is exactly that. Loving your neighbor as, as you love yourself. Are you catching what that verse is saying? The, the law of the prophets are summed up in these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you try to love your neighbor out of the self-hatred that you're consumed in, the self-talk that you have for yourself, the way that you're just walking around all the time, man, like you're such an idiot, like this is, this is who you really are, like you're not fooling anyone. 
the things that you tell yourself. You, you, you replay failures and you, you replay ways that you've missed it. Everyone's talking about you. No one likes you. Everyone sees right through you. You're a waste of everyone's time. And, you, and you, this, this just becomes the DVD that's rolling in the movie theater of your mind all day. You go to try to love someone. You go to try to be there for someone. And you're so depleted mentally and emotionally. But because you're a good Christian and you know how to behave, you'll love them out of obligation rather than conviction. But then you wonder why the end of it, it actually just makes you feel worse. Just makes, just, makes, just makes you feel frustrated because you're trying to love someone out of, a love de- out of a love deficit that has not filled you first. Do you, want, do you know how exhausting that is? Do you know how hard that is? I, I, can, I can tell almost instantaneously when I'm doing that and how badly I need to, be, to, to press my ear up upon the chest of the one that is love and find rest against his chest from where I find that I'm at my very best and I surrender to myself, I surrender my will, I die to everything that I'm trying to be and I die into his very life. Like, come on. We expect so much from ourselves and we expect perfection from ourselves and I have no clue why we do it. I don't know where we get off with thinking that that's the gospel and that's the kingdom. It is such demonic garbage. It is robbing the church of joy. It is robbing the church of hope. And then we come in on Sunday mornings and we do all of the right things because we're burdened with a desire of wanting to be righteous and holy and it's so beautiful. Meanwhile, you are dying inside. And the one who calls you is just waiting for you to give up and go weak at the knees and say, apart from you, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can't, my, the pages are sticking together and just now I can't get back to, there, apart from you, you can do nothing. Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed. And we live these severed lives. The core value of love happens and is birthed in secret. In secret. When no one else is looking and no one else is around. I know that this is heavy and I know that I'm coming on strong with this. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, like I'm really over Christians leaving because of, and they're the most noble and pure-hearted people, and they've just gotten burnt out on themselves, realizing, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, no kidding, you can't do it anymore. You weren't called to do it in the first place. You weren't called to be a savior unto yourself. You weren't, you weren't called to even pretend to have it together. Like, no kidding, you're falling apart. Jesus said, I can do nothing apart from the Father, so why are you pretending to think that you can I, I, truly, I truly think that at the end of the day, we, my goodness, we just need a revelation of how much he's waiting for us and how much he consistently cries out, come away with me, come away with me, come away with me. I want to end with this story. I hope that I remember it correctly. I want to end with this story, though. Is that Okay. So there's this story of um, 
Shauna, do you, can you come back, or, or Clay, Shauna, or someone for, for the keys? Can you, guys, can you guys come back up, Liz or whoever? So there's this story. I don't even know actually who wrote this. I just, I just, know, that I, I just know that I know it. I think I know it if, if I can remember it. And there's this story, and it's taking place back in like the 1400s. And there's this king, and the king lives far away in his kingdom, and the townspeople that live in the town that are in one of the, the neighboring villages of this kingdom hear that the king, the mighty and glorious king, is going to be coming through their village. He's going to be coming through their village. And they get news that the king is looking for people to serve in his palace. He's looking for people to serve in his palace. And so all the townspeople get together, and it's like preparing for the Olympics. Like, like there's decorations going up, the city is being cleaned, and once the city is cleaned, there's this family that sticks out amongst the village. And it's this family of, of, of four siblings, this little boy and his, and, his, and his three other brothers. They come from a super poor home, a super poor family, have, have, have literally nothing. And there's this little boy, the youngest boy. And he goes to the end, and, and all, of his, all of his brothers are preparing themselves for the king coming. They want to look their best. They want to sound their best. And they want to be useful for the king. So they go away, and they begin to perfect all of the things that they're good at. One of the brothers is really good at cooking. And he goes into this kitchen, and he's practicing his cooking skills. I'm going to make the king a glorious feast, and I'm going to serve him my feast when he gets here. Surely he will be impressed with the feast that I have prepared for him, and he will invite me back to his kingdom, and I will live as royalty the rest of my days, and he will enjoy my great food. The second brother is an incredible musician, plays the harp. And he practices on, on this harp until his fingers are numb at the tips. Surely when the kings come, I will woo him away and impress him with my incredible music and he will have to invite me back to his kingdom and get me out of this place that we're living in. Surely my gifting will impress him. And, he go, and then there's the third brother. The third brother is an incredible artist. He paints paintings that when you look upon them, they take away your very breath. Just beautiful works of art. Surely... When the king comes and sees my paintings, he will want one of these paintings to hang in his palace and he'll ask me to come paint for him for the rest of my days. There's no way I can lose. And then you come to the fourth brother, the, four, the, the fourth boy. He has no talent and he has no gifting. What he does for work is he stands at the stables at the city gates of travelers and monarchs that come in and he cleans their horses, brushes them down, puts a fresh saddle on them, and he literally is a stable boy. He takes care of the horses. But one of his favorite things to do is when all the travelers and monarchs and all these individuals come in, he will sit at the village gates and talk to them. Tell me about your travels. Tell me about where you've come from. Tell me about what, what, what are the lands outside of this village that I've only ever known. Tell me about these things. And oftentimes these villagers, these travelers will sit with him and tell him, and, and he'll just talk to him. And, they'll, and, 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 they, and they love the presence of this little boy because they never get to tell anyone about their travels. So time goes on. The little boy goes to each one of his brothers. Hey, can you teach me a gift? Can you teach me a gift? Can you teach me a gift? Go away from me. I'm way too busy with my painting. I'm way too busy with my cooking. I'm way too busy with my music. Go away to your horse stable. 
I don't have time for this. The king is coming any day now. Like, surely the king is going to be coming soon. I have to be ready for him. Then there's one day this little boy is in, is, is in this stable. And this man, there's nothing really impressive about him. The young boy thinks that it's just another traveler. And he comes into the stable. And the tall man swings his leg over the horse, slides down the side, and looks at the boy and just says, young man, can you take care of my horse for me? I have business here to attend to. And the boy jumps up and says, oh, surely I'm, 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 I'm the best that there is. I will change his horseshoes. His coat will be smooth and shiny by the time you get back. Yes, sir, any, anything for you, sir. And he jumps on it. And the weary traveler sits down next to the boy, removes his hat and wipes sweat off of his forehead. And the little boy begins to ask him, where have you come from? What are, what are you here to do? And the king says, I have, I have business to attend to. And the boy says, well, well what, 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 what kind of business do you have to attend to here? And before the boy can hear, hear the man's answer, the king goes, I'm sorry, I'll be back. I have business to attend to. And he leaves. A couple hours go by. The man's horse is done. The boy's wondering, man, why didn't that man give me an answer? Normally, they, all these men love to sit and talk with me. And the man comes back, and he looks at the boy, and he says, young boy, I have finished my business for the day. I would love nothing more. I want to sit and talk with you because my business has failed me, and what I came here for was not what I was looking for. And the man removes his outer garment, and he, and he sees that it is the king of their whole region wrapped in the royal clothing and in the royal garments that he was wearing, but he was covered by his outer coat. And the boy falls down on the ground saying, oh my gosh, you are, you're, you're the king, I had no idea. And he said, well, well, I thought you were coming here for new servants and, and, and people to, to bring back with you. And the king says, I came to all of them and none of them had time for me. I came to one man, he was busy with his painting and yelled at me, go away, the king is coming soon. I have no time for interruptions. I must be ready for the king. I went to another one. Can I have some of that delicious food that you're cooking? Not now, you're bothering me. The king and his people will be here any day now. I have no time to be bothered by your requests. The king walked on further down the street, came to the boy playing the harp. Man, can I sit and listen to your music for a while? Not now. This is going to be a distraction for me. The king is coming any day now. And the king left unsatisfied by the need and desires of his heart. And he, and he went back to the little boy saying, I came here only wanting friends. Will you be my friend? Then hop up on my horse and come away with me. We will go to my kingdom for forever. Because I have found what I am looking for in the humility of your hands and the humility of your heart. That's my paraphrased version of a children's story, of a children's book that is written for literally like for little kids. And when the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, is this not the gospel? Let us not be people that are so busy that we miss him and we miss what he is looking for. People to sit with him and know him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Here's what I want to do right now. Um, 
if you came here tonight and you have any, any type of um, need for, for prayer or there's something that you came here that you need, whether it's physical healing, whether there's just something like, hey, I just, I want prayer. I, I came here. I need prayer. I need hands laid on me tonight. We want to, as I get done praying, we just, I want to invite you to the front right where I am. We will have a ministry team come around you. Um, don't, don't, no need to look for them. They will look for you and they will come to you. It is your job to just stand and receive. Don't, don't worry about trying to find the right person. They will come to you. But I just, I just want to invite you forward to just receive prayer for that. But right now, I just want everyone in here to just bow, bow your eyes, bow, bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, I pray that you would have mercy on me and you would have mercy on us in all of the ways that we try to impress you, knowing that you see it all. I don't know why we think that for a moment we could fool you or, or like ha have this, this like backdoor thing. I don't know why for a moment we think that we could fool you. Jesus, we declare our dependence upon you. Holy Trinity, we declare our dependence on, on, on you. And I pray that when you come, we would not be so busy with the things that we're trying to do for you and impress you that we forget that you are looking for friends, you are looking for a bride, you are looking for sons, you are looking for daughters. Jesus, I pray for every heart in here that has grown cold and sick and tired of the religious hamster wheel and the religious cycle of saying, I know what I should do and I'm trying really hard to do it. I affirm you tonight. I affirm you in your efforts, but I, but I plead of you to throw your hands up in the air and say that you cannot anymore. You can't. And to receive power from the God named Jesus Christ that is source, that is savior, and that is all sufficient above all things to supply you and fill you for every good work that this Bible and that the scriptures call you forth into and that you would have a by the spirit life, a by the spirit life. Shut up the flesh in us. Shut up the religious desires within us that say, I will be holy. I will be blameless. I will get to those things. And that we would stop this runaway bride, this hard to get individual. And we would just say, I have found where it is. It is weak at the knees and in a mess upon your chest that you put me back into place. And the pretending even the most noble of good works, you would come to the end of yourself because you're torturing yourself. And with a father's heart, I plead with you to let yourself up off of the mat of performance and lean into him and fall into him.
Jesus, I thank you that you've given us another night to come and gather and be together. And I thank you that you've given us another night to get to do this with friends and family and community, how rich and how deep and how much of a dream come true it is. Even in this, help us hold it loosely, please. Please, Lord Jesus, help us, help, help me to hold it loosely, loosely. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We thank you that you don't have to come, but you always do. You show up in splendor and you change the whole room. And we thank you for that. Our lives are dependent upon you coming and we thank you that you do. So we love you and we thank you for you tonight, your spirit, your presence here tonight, that we would have a by the spirit life in Jesus' name.